The cost of youth soccer, the industry, has just gotten completely out of control. Why are kids on certain teams and how they found themselves there? And is it indeed the best situation for them to develop? There really seems to be a lack of inclusion. I'd love to see a club just be honest and right. say that. <laughs> right, um, right. But you no. know all that BS? Forget that. We're not saying it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're just right. play to win. Hey, it's August 10th, 2018. The Premier League season has been underway for less than five minutes and already Manchester United has had a bad call go in its favor. Spoiler alert. Shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Uh, But happy beginning to the Premier League season. A quick podcast this week to let you know of a couple of things going on. And um, mostly the personal, professional, and otherwise semi-professional variety. Basically, the um, one thing I wanted to clarify is that I am now off of Twitter, at least for a little while, and I did see some reaction. I mean, I checked back in to see what people said in response, yes, so I know I'm already violating (laughs) the boycott in a sense, but I did want to see what people said, and I think some people misinterpreted uh, the reason I'm getting off of Twitter. Uh, It's not about me. It's not personal. It's not anything that anyone said to me. It is about uh, Alex Jones is the tipping point. Uh, Alex Jones, for those of you who don't know, is a conspiracy theorist who hosts something called InfoWars, and he stirs up hatred. That's what he does. He's a hate monger. Uh, He makes things up out of thin air, uh, presents them as news, and stirs people up to essentially go harass people or even be violent. And he's been banned from many social media platforms. Twitter is the exception. And that's not a surprise, given what Twitter has done through the years. Uh, They have a policy on harassment. It is selectively enforced. And essentially, anything goes against women. Anything goes in terms of race. And it's sickening. And I finally reached a point where I don't want any part of it anymore. Now... Hopefully, Twitter will change because it is a valuable thing. It's painful to get off of Twitter because I'm, I do enjoy the discussions I have there for the most part, especially when I'm selective on them. I know I engage in some things that are a little bit ridiculous, but but that's not why I'm why I've cut it off. I've cut it off because I think the company Twitter is no longer worthy of any support. And, look, I don't make such decisions lightly. It was funny looking for an image of boycotting that I wanted to toss out there. And there were so many things that are boycotted. I mean, it's just indirect um, things that companies really can't do anything about. I mean, it's almost to the point where um, let's boycott McDonald's because someone threw a Big Mac at me. You know, like, what can you do about that? So um, I don't want to be one of those guys. But in terms of Twitter, a message needs to be sent. And I probably won't have much impact, me and my 8,000-some followers, but that's what I'm trying to do. And it's especially difficult because Twitter is how I publicize a lot of things, uh, such as uh, today's Guardian piece, which is on the six-month anniversary of Carlos Cordero's election. So I talked with a lot of people, um, 
Gal Martino, Leslie Galmore. Uh, let's see, man, now I think about it, I guess they were all pretty much podcast guests at some point. Uh, Kevin Payne, my goodness. Uh, maybe I need to branch out a little bit, talk with more people. But they all had something interesting to say about what, um, what's been done so far. And I used it to look at some of the shifting uh, electoral things that are going on in U.S. soccer. U.S. youth soccer has just elected a new president, uh, Pete Zofi, as I believe you pronounce it. I did speak with him, and I heard him pronounce it, and it didn't quite register. I was thinking of Zopfi, but I believe he said Zopfi. Uh, so he's the new president of U.S. youth soccer, or chairman, excuse me, they call it a chairman, of U.S. youth soccer. He is likely to take over Jesse Harrell's spot. Jesse Harrell was the incumbent whom he defeated. He is likely to take over that spot on the board, uh, but that's not automatic. And in fact, it really depends on Harrell uh, stepping down. Um, But apparently that's expected. And then the Youth Council, which is not just U.S. Youth Soccer, but the other organizations as well, uh, would elect someone to replace Jesse Harrell and it you know, unless something really weird happens, it would be Pete Zofing. So we got a new board member while you weren't watching. And we might get another one. U.S. Adult Soccer meets next month. John Mata is up for re-election. And the funny thing there is that he is sort of the darling of the reform movement. He's the one board member uh, from the time the NASL lawsuit was filed. He's the one board member who is not named in the lawsuit because he was seen as being more favorable to the NASL. And he has been uh, someone that, you know, the reformers have gravitated toward as, as someone who is essentially working for them on the inside. Uh, he's facing two opponents, and one of them is especially curious, Mike Edwards, who used to be vice president and has sort of an insider tag to him. He's from New Mexico and I've heard some people in the reform movement seem pretty happy with him. Even though he served as vice president for a long time under Sneo Galati, much longer than Cordero did. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he's seen as too much of an insider or too much of a reformer. Uh, but, you know, the point of the piece was that those lines are very hard to distinguish. So that's the piece today in The Guardian. Please do check that out if you can. Um, if you're on Twitter, please publicize it on Twitter because I'm not. <laughs> And so that is the personal professional update for the week. So topic two this week, of two, only two topics this week, is about the functional unification, uh, which is what Pete Zofi is seeking among all the different um, people who have a stake in U.S. youth soccer, lowercase, which would be U.S. Youth Soccer Uppercase, which he's the new chairman of, U.S. Club Soccer, AYSO, Say Soccer, and USSSA. And we should begin by saying that really the dispute here is between U.S. Youth Soccer and U.S. Club. I don't know of any current real issues between uh, AYSO and the others, uh, or Say and the others. And USSSA, frankly, just seems too small to really have much of an impact in this, or at least too small to be competing with others 
except in a couple of little regions, and I have not heard of any disputes there. It's really U.S. youth and U.S. club. And that's where you have things like EDP, which is a league on the East Coast, uh, New Jersey, but now stretching all the way down to Virginia, which be, was a U.S. club soccer league, at least you know the top tier, was a U.S. club soccer national premier league, which is a fairly big deal. They switched to where they are now U.S. youth soccer's uh, regional league. And then in response... U.S. club soccer turned around and formed an Eastern League of its own because they said, as Kevin Payne told me, oh, well then all these people wanted to still be part of U.S. club soccer, so we had to do something for them. It is, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of it is understandable. No, No one's forming a league strictly because of ego. Uh, There's often a legitimate reason for it. And U.S. club soccer started out really pushing for various changes, and they felt like they weren't getting it within U.S. youth soccer, and that's understandable. So they formed their own organization. Now, U.S. youth soccer does a lot of things that U.S. club soccer uh, wanted them to have, you know, such as um, you know the club pass, where you can theoretically move between teams within a club. You may notice that doesn't actually happen very often. Uh, but it exists. And of course, the, part of the reason it doesn't happen very often is because there are very few leagues that are in the same system or very few clubs that have all their teams in any one system. They may have you know, their A team in the ECNL, their B team in a U.S. youth soccer regional league, their C team in a U.S. club soccer league. So, And then even within that, U.S. youth soccer may... You know, they have may have competing leagues in one area. I live in one of them, where the leagues put up roadblocks to club passes. So it all gets rather silly, and you can't really move people around within it. So when they say functional unification, which is the catchphrase that Pete Zofi, the new U.S. Youth Soccer Chairman, wants to use, what they're really talking about is just getting rid of those silly barriers. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have a separate U.S. club soccer and U.S. youth soccer and have multiple pathways uh, using whatever keeps them different to this point. Which, honestly, at some point, I think I think the differences between the two are flattening and are only going to get flatter. I mean, right now, Kevin Payne points to the fact that U.S. club soccer has been ahead of the curve in the safe sport initiative, which is something that um, if you've noticed other Olympic sports and seen, you know, the Larry Nasser case and all sorts of other cases with coaches in Olympic sports who have done horrendous things, just horrible. I mean, it was especially true in gymnastics. Um, Soccer obviously wants to avoid that sort of thing happening. And so there's an initiative called Safe Sport. U.S. club soccer has really been at the vanguard of that. They've moved, they've just, it's not that anyone's being, you know, regressive on that front. It's just U.S. club soccer has been quicker to adopt a few common sense measures. I think U.S. youth soccer will be, will probably do that within the next year. I think AYSO will do the same as well. And, you know, again, AYSO, just by the nature of what it is, doesn't necessarily have conflicts with U.S. youth soccer these days. It's, 
it's sort of like having another recreational club in an area, less so than it is, um, you know, having a different league or having a different structure entirely. At least that's where it is in in many areas. I can't speak to California. Uh, I hope to be able to speak to California soon because I will get cracking on that uh, club guide or league guide again pretty soon. And I've done a lot of data scraping uh, to make that happen. So one thing I'll be looking at in Ranting Soccer Dad the next uh, few months is going to be, can we put that genie back in the bottle at least enough so there is some sort of cooperation, at least to the point where you can have a club pass operating the way it's supposed to work, which is that you can have people moving between A and B and B and C and B and D, and even from the rec league going in, and have it really be one club that's cohesive that just happens to have an A team. So can you have that, and can you at least cut down the number of leagues so that the top five clubs in one area aren't playing in five different competitions? Because we're pretty close to that now, and that's something where I think we can back up from the brink. So Carlos Cordero has called for a task force, and I've seen the responses, which are, well, all this the guy does is form committees and task forces. Again, if you look at the Guardian story today, you'll see that, yeah, he hasn't taken the boldest stand in youth soccer. He hasn't come out and said, we're forming a task force, and one thing we need to do is to quit these turf wars, is to really stamp them out. It's implicit in what he's trying to do, but it it could be a little bit more forcefully stated. But the task force itself is a step forward because there was that youth soccer, youth council technical working group that started as a response to what U.S. soccer was doing with birthier mandates and so forth. And because they felt like they weren't being included. And then they did have, you know, the Federation was sending people to those meetings. But the the sense I get from talking with several people, and I um, believe it was Kevin Payne is on the record talking about it uh, in the Cordero story, is that the Federation wasn't quite receptive to it. Um, because they probably felt like, you know, we're being forced into this. Now the Federation is trying to approach it as more of an equal partner, saying, hey, let's all work together and we can make this better. So maybe, maybe this time it'll work. That's why I have plenty of things to cover. That's why I appreciate your support. And again, you're going to hear in just a minute all the different ways you can do that. Uh, There might not be a Ranting Soccer Dad podcast next week, uh, but then I'll be resuming Uh, the week after that, where I might be preparing for my debut as a grade 8 official. We'll see. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Ranting Soccer Dad podcast using whatever podcatcher you use to find this in the first place could be iTunes, could be Stitcher, or maybe you came in through the blog, which is rantingsoccerdad.com, where you will find all the past podcasts, along with news and analysis from the world of 
youth soccer and beyond, and yes, you will find the occasional rant about things. You will also see a link to the Patreon page to support the podcast and blog and all other ranting soccer dad activities, and you'll see merchandise including the Travel Sucker t-shirt. Until next time, rant on!